Welcome back. It is hour number three on a very busy Friday morning. We are looking ahead to a gigantic weekend in college football, the National Football League. Some big marquee matchups happening on both sides. LSU, Alabama, you'll hear it live right here on Fox tomorrow afternoon. Pre-game coverage begins at 1 p.m. Should be a great weekend of college football and the National Football League. A big weekend also in the NBA. We got some big matchups coming up this weekend. We'll preview some of those, but we also have to bounce it around some big storylines happening in and around the NBA. And the two new words, which you've heard a lot this week on the program, and you're going to be hearing more of throughout the season, and those two words are load management. And if you're the L.A. Clippers, so far, load management hasn't worked out too badly. Yes, you're 0-2 in the games that Kawhi hasn't played, but you're 2-0 in the games after that. Joining us right now with what's right and wrong about load management and other storylines around the NBA, our next guest from RealBallInsiders.com and Lineups.com, one of our NBA insiders, our friend James Hollis. James, good morning. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me on, brother. Good talking to you. Good talking to you. All right. Give me the right about load management. What's right about it? Well, what's right about it is um, teams are now investing like, you know, multi-million dollars in the players. It's not like back in the day. Uh, these guys are finally twin athletes, uh, and, and they're treated as such. And on that note, if you're, if you're a contender and you're signing a, a superstar, sure, it's to put on a show for the fans, but you're also trying to win a championship. And sometimes you got to, you know, you might have a really nice sports car, you might have a really nice car, but you have, you have to maintain that car. And if you want to keep that car for 5, 10, 12 years, you really have to maintain that car. Uh, so load management is, it's not, I know it's not fan friendly. I know it's not TV friendly because, you know, Kawhi is missing games. And we hear that we hear the, the, the stories about, you know, Oh, I bought this one NBA ticket, you know, last year thinking I'd see this guy and now I'm going to see him because he's loaded. So I get it. But for, if you're a franchise, winning a championship should be your goal and making sure you guys are fresh for May and June should be the goal. And that's part of it. Uh, I think that the Clippers saw what Toronto did last season, and they wanted to kind of just adopt that to keep Kawhi fresh in, in the playoffs. Now, so the that's what's right about it. Now, the flip side is what's wrong with load management? Um, I get it. Uh, what's wrong with it is that, like, there's a televised game with the Jazz, you know, and you're thinking Donovan Mitchell, Kawhi Leonard, and, oh, Kawhi Leonard's not playing because it's, you know, it's part of a back-to-back, and he's not going to play back-to-back. Uh, you know, big matchup against Giannis. You know, of course, NBA and ESPN, all the channels would love to splash across the billboards, Giannis versus Kawhi, you know, who a battle for supremacy in the NBA, and Kawhi sits. I get it. It it's it does it it takes a little bit out of the a little bit of the win out of some of the sales, right? And then also we we look at some of the uh, past superstars and, and part of part of legacy building is stat stat accumulation and part of that is durability and part of that is, you know, hey, this guy showed up every night. When you're intentionally removing uh, your, your your prime chess piece, you know your, your queen. You're, you're intentionally removing that on strategic nights. I get it strategically, but I get it from also from a fan standpoint, from a from a competition standpoint. You're not putting your best product out every night, and so I, I do get that it's it's it takes a little bit out of I, I guess kind of the, the human element out of the game to be so strategic and logical about it. How does the NBA discuss this? when the new collective bargaining agreement comes up because, or when the next TV contract comes up, because again, to your point, look, it's bad when a player misses a game, especially when it's just to 
you know, rest essentially. It's it's not even for an injury so much. So how do you how does the NBA rationalize this with its corporate partners, their television broadcast partners? How does the NBA rationalize this? And if they get into a position where the NBA's broadcast partners or corporate partners are like, we don't want to be involved in this, how do they address that with the players and owners going forward? Well, I think the big thing is that we, we see that it's it selects few superstars and out of an eighty two game season it's a it's such a small amount of games that I don't think advertiser partners will ever say that. Right. The NBA is a cash cow and you know, advertisers they want to be part of that cash cow. So that's even if it's a, it's a it might irk people, it, they'll never back out. Now, something I just came up with, like and I know other smart people must have thought of this. Maybe at the beginning of every season the NBA can present to a team with superstars like that and say, hey, here are 15 games you can choose from. You can choose like 10 out of these 15 games, but you need to tell us now if he's going to play or not. And that way they can release a schedule saying, hey, this is the low management schedule. Now, I don't know how that works for, again, now that, that, gives, that puts you it's like a behind holiday, eight ball. It's like a holiday schedule for employees. Absolutely. Now, I, I can see the downside of that is a team would say, well, we don't want to let the Chicago Bulls know in November right. that, you know, our superstars are going to play in, 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 in February because that gives them, a, you know, a, an advantage a little bit of first game planning. But the point is, like, I, I, that's, one, that's one option. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I get it. It's, it's, it's a situation where if you're a Clippers fan, you're probably disappointed because you, you, know, you want to see your guy play every night, but you want to protect your asset, your, protect your superstar, your, your big gun. Um, so it's, it, I get it. It's something that definitely has to be addressed at the next CBA. James Hall is joining us here on the show. James, before all that became the topic of controversy or conversation, then there was this. Anthony Davis, just before the Lakers took on Chicago earlier in the week uh, to face the Bulls in Chicago, Anthony Davis was addressing a room full of kids, and there were media present at this particular event, and one of the kids apparently asking Anthony Davis, who lived in Chicago, grew up in Chicago, whether or not he was planning on returning to Chicago someday. Anthony Davis didn't shy away from it necessarily, but he didn't necessarily say no to that idea. Should that be a big deal for Lakers fans looking forward? I don't think so. I think this is just another case of Anthony Davis not being probably self-aware enough. And this is what kind of sucks because he seems like a a good guy. And this is a a situation where a normal person can make a flippant off-the-cuff comment. Like Anthony Davis, I think he would say, like, oh, I don't know. I'm I'm a free agent next year so. You know, he's talking to kids in Chicago. He's he's making them feel good. He's having fun with it, I, I believe. So, um, but with today's media, you know, and he's a superstar, the cameras are in his faces. You can't just say that kind of thing. So, I don't think it's a big deal. Um, I think, like, just like the That's All Folks t-shirt, this is another moment of him being a little too flippant and a little too uh, not aware enough of his stature and, and the context of what he's saying, how it can be taken by some people. But I, I don't think that Lakers fans should worry. Talking to our friend James Hollis, you can uh, follow along with his work on Twitter at Snotty Drippin. We appreciate his time very much this morning. We heard earlier in the week yesterday from Zion Williamson, first pick of the NBA draft earlier this summer. Uh, he's uh, looking forward to a return maybe sooner than expected for the New Orleans Pelicans. Of course, he sat out uh, the entire season so far with a knee injury that he's been dealing with, an ankle injury. He's been dealing with a various number of injuries, James, for quite some time. He's been 
kept out of the first part of the regular season. There's some speculation he may come back sooner than expected. What are you hearing and what do you think the Pelicans are going to do as far as getting him back on the court soon? You know what? I mean, another fan base might be upset because we might see some load management with Zion uh, in year one as his body gets acclimated to NBA-level athleticism, NBA-level speed, travel. So we might see them bring him back slowly. And take, if I were them, hey, he's our future building block. I'm taking, I'm taking it really easy and really light on him all year where I would be sitting him on back-to-back. And I would be monitoring his minutes uh, at least until, yeah, for this whole season, I definitely would. And this is going to be fascinating for Zion his whole career because he seems to have that kind of body type where he's just a big, he's a big, big guy. But if he wants to be an NBA athlete and have a long career, he's going to have to maintain his weight. And we've seen certain players, not to, I hope this is not going to be an extreme situation, Eddie Curry, um, uh, Mike Sweetney uh, from the Old Bulls. We've seen NBA players have trouble controlling their weight. I, I don't think Zion's going to be one of those kind of players, but at the same time, James Johnson has it in his contract, and he has to be, meet certain standards. And he was suspended. Uh, he, they sat him down at the beginning of the season, but he didn't meet it. And James Johnson, we know, is like a, a, like a real high-level kind of kickboxer, an MMA guy. So, yeah, Zion's going to have to get his diet together, get a regimen together. I do think he's, uh, he's going to make that team better, obviously. And, you know, they're already a scrappy bunch. But it's, moving forward, not just this season, the rest of his career, it's going to be something, it's going to be a fascinating uh, thing to watch with Zion and the injuries already kind of, you know, nickel and diamond. Speaking of injuries, uh, obviously Steph Curry now going to miss at least two to three months now uh, with a broken hand that he suffered last week. And obviously one more gigantic uh, nail perhaps in the coffin this season of the Golden State Warriors. He's going to miss at least two to three months. Look, no one, no one I don't think out there uh, that's not a Warriors fan expected this sort of collapse right now. But at two and six, sitting near the bottom of the Western Conference right now, can you think of another? Another organization that went from being that high up the up the food chain to this bottom of the food chain in such a short amount of time, other than the Golden State Warriors. The only comparison I can think of is the Bulls winning the championship in '98 and then clearing house and starting the next season with like Randy Brown and freaking Dickie Simpkins on the floor. So <laughs> honestly, it's. It is, and you know what? I love every minute of it. I'm going to be one of those people. Because the Warriors were the league bullies for five years. They got they got Kevin Durant. They danced on the sidelines. They shimmied on the court. Draymond barked at everybody. And, you know, just, just six and a half months ago, they, they trotted out four All-Stars. And now I, I'm not celebrating injury. I, hope, I don't want anybody to think that. I'm not, I want Steph to come back healthy and Clay to come back healthy. But even with Stephen Clay back and, uh, you know, the, the D'Angelo Russell's even, I think he's already missed a couple games now. And Draymond hurt his hand. So that's, it, that's, it's a, it's almost a comedy of errors right now. But, um, to see a fan base go from, you know, basically with their chest out and laughing at everyone else. And eight months later, they're cheering on, you know, a D League squad that surprisingly beat the Portland Trailblazers. And that's like a, a huge upset. This is, um, yeah, it's, the Warriors, they just opened that new arena. Steph has to get back on the court. Clay, you know, they want Clay back. Clay's back, allegedly not back this season. So this is going to be just, 
they said they were light years ahead. This is the, this is their gap year to prove it, I guess, and we'll see how things go next year for them. And on the flip side of all that, I'll allow you also to gloat a little bit about your Boston Celtics sitting atop the Eastern Conference right now, a half game over the Miami Heat as we go into the second weekend of the season tomorrow afternoon. Boston taking on San Antonio. What's your uh, what's your impression so far on the Celtics? Well, I learned about gloating because last summer I think me and a lot of Celtics fans were very full of ourselves, uh, like not this past summer, but the summer before. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, the season flamed out exactly. But the Boston Celtics are one of the, my most pleasant surprises this year. Um, Kemba Walker has been a, a revelation. I just I don't think a lot of people knew how good he was. And he's he just – it's amazing how he squint. He, he's, he, he, he's, a lot, he's not the player that Kyrie is, but he cuts a lot of the fat of the game off fat of Kyrie's game off to the point where he's such a better fit in Boston. As far as he doesn't dominate with his ball handling, he's, uh, he seems personality-wise just a better fit. Gordon Hayward being healthy has been the revelation of the season also because he looks like, like Utah Gordon Hayward, and that's, that changes the whole trajectory of this team. Jalen Brown's bigger, stronger, and faster. Jason Tatum seems to be really blossoming to his role as a more utilitarian like, but still efficient, lethal scorer. So, it's been very. It's been a lot of fun to watch. They're undersized right now, but uh, I had I had high hopes for the you know the, the big the, the switchy wing heavy lineups. And last year was such a disappointment. I thought maybe someone would be on the move, but the way they look right now, Boston the Boston could challenge for the East. James Hall is joining us here on the show. Big game coming up tonight. I'm curious to get your your take on Philadelphia versus Denver. They will have, Philadelphia will have Joel Embiid back on the lineup tonight after serving a two-game suspension for his little scuffle, if you will, with Carl Anthony Towns last weekend against Minnesota. But now Ben Simmons will miss some time while they evaluate a, a, grade, a grade one AC joint sprain in his right shoulder. Not that Ben Simmons was going to be some sort of major outside shooting threat, because that's not what Ben Simmons does, but this is an intriguing matchup. Philadelphia started off hot. I've now lost two in a row. Give me your take on Philadelphia tonight at Denver. Yeah, this this can't be. Uh, it must be frustrating for the coaching staff there because it's such a they have, they're a brand spanking new team, and it's almost like if you buy a a brand new vehicle and just as you get off the lot, you get the ding, or uh, you're one of your the dashboard lights comes on, you have to take it back in. So the Philadelphia 76ers right now, we haven't seen them you know, really flex and kind of get, get into rhythm together because of Joel's injury, you know, and now Ben Simmons is going to be out. So it's it's a little frustrating for me as an NBA fan also. But um, I think also moving forward, the Philadelphia 76ers have two superstars that just are not really in sync. Uh, this is more of a it's, a, it's a, it's a fit of convenience as, as far as, this is who they drafted. Not really a, not even a fit together of, of uh, efficiency. They don't really seem to vibe together. Them being Simmons and Embiid, and uh, you know, there's not a lot of shooting on this team. This they're going to be dynamite defensively all year. But uh, I would love to see Ben Simmons because we know that the Nuggets are an up and coming team in the West. Philly is uh, right now the class of the East. Even with the two losses, we all understand Embiid was out, and and now with the injury, so. I think in the big scheme of things, this is it's a good game. It's a good test, early season test for both teams. But, you know, we're not going to see Philly full strength, so you really can't take too much away from it. 
Good stuff with James Hollis. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Snotty Drippin' and check out Real Ball Insiders. Also check out lineups.com for everything you'll need to know about what's happening in the NBA. James Hollis, we appreciate your time very much, as always, here on the show. Have a great weekend. We look forward to talking again very soon. Thank you, my man. And please, everyone, uh, check us out over at HoopsRebellion.com. That's the new home of James Holt. Nice. HoopsRebellion.com. All right. Well, I'm, I appreciate you letting me know that. That's awesome. Make sure to follow everything over there at HoopsRebellion.com. James, thanks so much for your time. We'll talk soon. You're the man, bro. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. That's, that's, that's uh, James Hollis joining us here on the show. We appreciate him taking some time with us. We'll be right back with much more. Stay tuned. 